the education team for Jackson Family Wines proudly brings you these podcasts for your listening enjoyment. Greetings, Jackson Family Nation. Welcome to another edition of Bud Break Podcast. I'm your affable host, Larry O'Brien, and I am here in Northeastern Ohio, and uh, I've got a guest today, and we're going to cover some very practical information. Not necessarily wine nerdy. We're not going to kick the dirt or shake the vine, as Randy Ullam likes to say. We're going to talk a little bit more about practical sales. And with that, I'd like to introduce a friend of mine and the general manager of Lockkeepers in Cleveland, Ohio. His name is Brian Warman. And Brian and I have been friends for, oh, geez, at least seven, 10 years at this point. And Brian is, as I like to describe him, an operator's operator. So, Brian, welcome and thank you for giving us your time today. And tell us a little bit about how you got into this crazy, wacky business. Oh, yeah. Well, I went to art school. So that was, of course my, you did. That was my downfall. And, uh, you know, to support myself, I waited tables. First at Denny's, then at some corporate restaurants, and then I ran a, a blues club for seven years. It pretty much brought me here to this week exactly 17 years ago. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you so much. The restaurant itself is celebrating 30 years uh, privately owned by Frank and Melissa Sanito, and we enjoy a really great reputation. Also, in terms of our wine program and wine sales, I think we're a, a destination for wine. How would you describe the quality of service at Lockkeepers? Uh, it's paramount. It's uh, what we're all about. It's our brand. We're very passionate about being professional and hospitable. Our training is really key. And uh, Larry, you've helped out with that. You know how invested we are in training our staff. So with that said, if, if service is paramount and training is paramount, how can a salesperson be a value-added asset rather than just an order taker? What do you look for when you partner with a salesperson or a salesperson becomes a most favored trading partner? Yeah, a salesperson must present value. I think the best salesperson you know, in service and sales and management, there's two core character traits that are very important, one being empathy and the other being authority. So I'm a salesperson that understands what I'm looking for, knows where we're at, and then has the authority, the knowledge to bring me the products and things that I need. How does a salesperson earn credibility with you? By exhibiting knowledge, knowing the product, mastering what they do, being professional in their presentation, respecting my time. I love wine, and it's, it's a, an interest and a passion for me, but I'm a general manager, and it always has to be relegated to the last thing that I do. It's not the most important thing. Uh, we're open for lunch and dinner every day, Monday through Saturday, and we don't stop. So guest service is primary. So to grab some of my attention, it, let's have it be focused. Otherwise, it's just a nuisance and annoying. So the best salesperson is respectful to that, knows when to arrive, knows when to come back, and follows up in a professional way. What about the wines that they present? I, I often say, I want to do business with an account their way versus my way. And it's contradictory because as salespeople, we are often marching to the tune of a go-to-market program. In other words, we need to sell what we're asked to sell, but that might not meet the needs of an account. 
how can a salesperson more thoroughly understand your needs? Yeah, that's the empathy part of it. I'm actually going to get turned off if you come at me with an agenda. I don't, I don't care about your agenda. In fact, it's, it's off-putting. Read my list first. Look at my menu. Understand the venue. Understand the market and the clientele. And start from that position. I'm going to ask you this kind of simple question. Does seniority matter? Does a sales rep who's been around longer just earn credibility by being there? Or can a younger salesperson that might not have as much seniority with you earn their way to the top via a better understanding of your needs, being respectful of your time, being prepared for the meeting, having the right wines, knowing what your wine list and your menu looks like, knowing who your clientele is? Absolutely. But even before all that, it starts with presentation. A young, charismatic, put together, smart person that knows their stuff is going to command as much authority as an older person. So I, it doesn't really matter the age so much. You mentioned training early in this discussion. Why is training or education, whatever word you want to use, why is that important in terms uh, of your operation? It's so important. I think of it all as the same thing. The marketing, the training, all the messaging is all for the same purpose. Engaging a sales force, engaging our, our customers. And it all starts with knowing the product, all those little interesting stories that go along with the wine, understanding the wine deeply and how it pairs with food so you can make recommendations and lead our, our guests to a wonderful experience. And I think that, that sharing and information in roles the team and uh, helps us create an experience for our guests. Are there different types of training? Oh, absolutely, because there's different types of staff. You have staff that are brand new. You have seasoned veterans. They all need to be spoken to a little bit differently. I think it's got to be very focused on basics and fundamentals and then get you quickly to a place that precipitates sales. Otherwise, nobody's going to care. So if the staff doesn't see that they make more money by knowing something, they're not going to want to know it. Uh, but if they see quick results, then they'll, they'll get on board. I, I often say it's the two or three or three or four sharks in the room, the best servers. They win all the contests and they lead by example. Do you agree with that idea that if those three or four successful servers are using a, a wine that others will see their success and follow it? Oh, absolutely. But I have to say, coming out of this very real staffing crisis, I've had to put together a team all over again. And it's about building a culture. So yes, they need to see some role models, and then they need to see more and more so that there becomes a, uh, a shifting with the tide, a pervading culture, a team that is professional and cares about what they do, it's not automatic, especially nowadays. So in terms of training, there are several ways to go about training. You and I have done more serious training where you give me a full hour and 15 minutes to an hour and 30 minutes, and we cover subjects a bit more deeply. We taste any number of wines. But then there's the other side of training where it might be five minutes in a pre-mill where a salesperson can come in, taste one wine, and do what I call a splash and dash. Do you find that both are effective training methods? The more training, the better. The more you can get in their ears and in their minds and show them 
that you care about them and, and what we're doing, the better it is. So certainly that commitment to an hour or an hour and a half class with a slideshow gives them a basis of wide knowledge. But I'd argue that even more importantly, it, it expresses that our team cares about what we do and we're professional. Uh, so yes, we attack it at all angles, formal classes. Every week I put together a formal agenda called a weekly tribute for the staff that has different training curriculum, including wine knowledge, food, food and beverage knowledge, terminology, and then some hospitality points. We do this every week, and then we have an AM and a PM premium that covers that agenda every day of the week. We're using this on a digital platform now. Uh, starting off using Google Forms is very handy, but I've already seeded a website called Saver Hospitality Academy, and we're going to have a formal online training program that where staff can earn credentials and graduate to different um, status and earn different opportunities at our restaurants for that. It's, uh, it's very interesting. And for those out in the audience that are wondering if we might be able to bring Academy of the Vine to an account, I have asked that question. And that question is, uh, I'm awaiting a response from the powers that be in Santa Rosa. So, so Brian, I I'm wondering if you could provide me an example of a sales rep doing a great job and earning an opportunity a buy the glass opportunity. Is there something recently that's occurred, a wine that wasn't in your buy the glass program that is now in the in the buy the glass program? And if it's not a Jackson family wine, that's okay. I'd, I'd prefer to get a real world example if I could. Well, we know that you work too hard for how much I'm buying from you, but uh, you know this is a this is a business of people still, a business of relationships, and sales are earned that way for sure. Over time, yes, I've represented wines because the people that sold them to me, I trust them. That happens all the time. Recently, there's a local guy that's lives very near to the restaurant, actually, but it happens to be very passionate about Italian wines. And then uh, I was on a kick, really looking into Alto Adige, and here he came with the Lagrine Rosato, and I'm just having a great time with it over the summer and turning the staff onto it, and our customers are loving it. So certainly, that, that was just a, a success story there for him that started with a, a friendship. And it wasn't quickly earned. He brought some obscure wines, and we had to kind of talk it out a little bit initially and understand one another. And because he was persistent and passionate and knows his stuff, he had a sale. Was there training to follow that sale? Oh, absolutely. He himself. And then uh, luckily, though, the winemaker uh, was in town, and I got to introduce him to the staff. And he was absolutely brilliant and just got us all more interested in the wine and increased the sales. So, Brian, in closing, is there anything that you would love to tell our national sales force? Uh, you're speaking to the Jackson family national sales force. You're speaking to our crown nation as well. Uh, any, any parting thoughts on how to be a more effective salesperson, to be a better salesperson and earn more business? I would say start by knowing your audience, know your accounts understand them, have that empathy, look at their wine list, understand their schedule, and work for them, and uh, it'll pay dividends. Brian, I'm very appreciative of your time this morning. This was a short, sweet, but I hope very practical and very informative podcast for Jackson Family Nation. Until we speak again, enjoy Bud Break. Thank you. Don't go anywhere. Larry's going to be right back with part two.
Greetings, Jackson Family Nation. It's Larry O'Brien, your affable host, and this is another episode of the Bud Break Podcast. In truth, it's not another episode. It's a continuation of a conversation I just had with a good friend and general manager of operations at Lockkeepers in Independence, Ohio, Brian Werman. Brian gave you the perspective of what makes a great salesperson from a restaurant operator's view. Today, I am with the owner of my best account in Ohio, which is 750 ML Wine Boutique. They've got two locations, one in Akron, Ohio, and one in Brexville. And Lauren Carpeta is the proprietor, and Lauren and I were thrust together via COVID, and we've been doing a lot of business ever since. And with that, I'd like to introduce Lauren. And Lauren, tell us how you got into this kind of goofy retail wine world. I'm not really sure if I got into it or it found me. Obviously, I love wine. Who doesn't, right? Um, I My background was in insurance. I've insured a lot of restaurants and a lot of great people in this area. And I think it kind of just fell in my lap. We had a gentleman that called me and said, hey, I think you'd be a great addition to uh, 750 ml wines and acquiring the locations and i said what huh and next thing you know seven years later here i am two locations fully operating and as you mentioned earlier survived a national pandemic so i think we're doing all right <laughs> yeah survival at that point was key and we discovered different ways of doing business. Uh, we reached people through the medium of social media. We reached people through the medium of virtual tastings and pouring 750 ml bottles into little 200 ml bottles and doing whatever we could to uh, touch the guest in, in different ways and provide different experiences. Lauren, in your mind, what makes a great salesperson? Is there a difference between a retail salesperson and a restaurant salesperson, I, I think the answer is yes, but why, why don't you give us your opinion on that? Well, I'm going to touch back on my background. My background's in insurance, like I had said. So the relationship between the customer is one thing and a relationship between the carrier who's writing the insurance company, you know, the insurance company involved is a different relationship. It's very similar to wine. What is my relationship with the customer, AKA, what does the consumer want? What does the consumer need? What do they like to drink? What do, are they curious about drinking? And then you flip that over to the distribution side is when I'm working with a salesperson one-on-one -on -one in distribution, are they listening to my needs as well as the consumer's needs? Are they just trying to push product onto me that they're trying to get out of their warehouse? Are there new things coming in? Are they communicating with me? And what is my ultimate relationship with them as A, a company, and B, as an individual? You don't have to name names or you know, salespeople's names or distributor names, but can you give us an example of a successful recent bit of business with, with a salesperson or a distributor? Well, I mean, as you mentioned, I'm one of your largest accounts, if not the largest account in Ohio. So it, it would be remiss of me not to mention that obviously my largest relationship is with Southern Glacier in Ohio. And I think a lot of it is, A, it goes back to the basics. It's the people that I'm working with on a daily basis, um, whether it's upper management um, you know, brand distribution such as um, yourself, which I don't know if that's a brand distribution. That's probably the people that you supplier. work with, but supplier, but neither here nor there, or just the individuals that come in that are my drivers. I mean, down to the, the people that are bringing the product every single day. I've had the same drivers almost seven years. And it's, you know, it's a weekly relationship. I know about their kids. I know about their family. I know what they're doing on the weekend. And because of that relationship, I want to continue to do business with people like Southern because they return my emails. 
they give me phone calls. They're here for my events. You know, they're they're sending me the the daunting spreadsheets that I'm requesting on. You know, what's coming in, what's moving, uh, what's new, and not only that, but they support me as as a retailer, as you know, as well as all the other things that I do. Like you had mentioned, um, the virtual in things that we're doing, the wine club that I have, the events that we have. There's not a lot of suppliers that I work with on a daily basis. Now there are a handful. Not, don't get me wrong, I don't just work with Southern, but Southern probably gives me the largest support for all of the things that I do within the business. Is it the fact that across the board, the support you need is given by Southern? Is that why they become your sort of most favored nation? Absolutely. Could somebody else earn a greater role should they be able to provide that broad swath of needs that you have? Yes. And I have, I mean, I work, am I allowed to say names? Of who have, say okay. I work with Wine Trends. Wine Trends is a, 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 a book within Heidelberg. And that side of the business on the wine trend side is absolutely amazing. Now, I, they work with, you know, smaller stuff, boutique wines, that which is what I'm all about. Nothing that you're going to see, you know, in a grocery store per se. And something that's a little different, obscure, that's where I'm listening to the consumer's needs. What's different? What are they going to buy from me that they can't get at your local grocer? But not only that, they also give me great support from the upper management down to my individual sales rep that I'm working with on a daily basis. She's constantly returning my emails. She's constantly trying to get more involved in the business, trying new things, giving more new ideas for glass pours. And when people work as hard as I do on a daily basis, you're going to earn my business. If you don't work as hard as I do, then you're not going to earn my business. So we've done a lot of events together. And as salespeople, we all know that our Friday evenings are Saturdays and occasionally our Sundays. It's required that we participate in events. What is your expectation of a sales rep when they participate with you? Because I know there are times when you get frustrated with sales reps because they don't necessarily bring the energy or the 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 activity that you want in an event. Can you riff on that a little bit? I can. And it's actually funny that you say that because there's a totally different perspective. I have some sales reps that God bless them. They know where to fill waters and bring them to customers and they know my customers' names. And then I have some sales reps that are literally sitting down, feeding themselves as if they're a guest and drinking the wines that I paid for to serve to my customers. So it is like a completely opposite end of the spectrum. So your expectations for a sales rep in an event are to play an active role in that event. Correct. And I look at it like this, as basic as it sounds, is if I'm bringing in, let's say, even numbers, if we have 50 guests, um, you know, that are consuming wines, and they're trying, not only are they trying, they're buying, my job is to introduce the wines to these customers, but I need to fulfill, you know, my expectations of my suppliers. So if you're not doing the job to help me sell the wines to the consumer, then you're just not doing your job. I love that. That's pretty definitive. I want to talk about Wine Club as well. Uh, it's not as if I want to create competition for Lauren in the Wine Club space here in Northeastern Ohio. But as sales reps, if you are not pitching the concept of a wine club to an account that is already doing very well with wine, you are missing an opportunity and that account is missing an opportunity. Wine Club requires a lot of work, but the dividends after the investment can be very, very rewarding. So Lauren, can you comment a little bit about your Wine Club? Yes. Wine Club, again, going back to my background, is just like insurance, it's residual income. It's what keeps the lights on. My Wine Club is billed monthly 
and it allows me to do fun other things, you know, within the business because it is so lucrative, like you had mentioned. With that is, you know, we're on a very large scale right now. I think we are the largest in Northeast Ohio, if not Ohio. But what it allows us to do is retain our customers. They're constantly coming in. They're always looking for something new and obscure. And not only that, from a relationship standpoint with the distributor, why wouldn't you want a reason to constantly sell an account over a thousand bottles a month? I mean, that's just a no brainer. So what do you look for for wine club? I'm always looking. I'm I'm like the girl that's obsessed with online shopping at like Nordstrom or Saks Fifth Avenue, but I'm just constantly looking at new wines throughout the middle of the night when I can't sleep. I'm looking for anything that's new, up and coming, obscure, things that you're, you know, you're not going to find obviously like I had mentioned in in grocers. But not only that, but sometimes, you know, there's things that if you go to a winery as basic as, let's just say, you walk into Napa and this is the splash of the rosé that they're giving for the summer and they're only selling it to their individual wine club. There's many a times where they don't sell out all of it and a distributor will get it. And it's a great thing to offer to your customers because they can't get to Napa. Well, think on a broader scale. What if they can't get to South Africa or they can't get to Australia or they can't get to Bordeaux? bring in these wines for people to try because then they're going to want to try different things within different areas and as well as travel to those places. So that's what I'm constantly looking for is more of a global reach. You know, I don't always get the best feedback and that's okay. A lot of it is education-based as well. If you like this grape, maybe you should try this grape. If you like this region, maybe you should try this region. So a lot of it is trial and error. Um, But again, it's always just trying to find new and exciting things, again, to offer my customers. So in closing, ladies and gentlemen, this idea of consultancy is paramount. You're not just an order taker. You've all heard that many, many times before. Your job is to consult. And part of being a consultant is being very active within an account. You have to know how to respond to the needs of the account, but you also need to bring ideas to the account that they might not even have considered. Wine Club is one of those things, and I enjoy some success through selling Lauren things for Wine Club. And for those team members at Regal Wine Company, Lord, you've got everything at your disposal. Being our distributor in California, you've got access to slow-moving inventory items or obscure items or maybe some DTC things. It just takes a little bit of extra work. Sometimes you have to negotiate up through the sales administration side within Regal to get things into the system. Uh, You have to negotiate with the account in order to bring these things to them, make that idea Uh, viable to them. And it's all about being a sales consultant. And that's not just being on time every week with wines that you've put in your bag. That's understanding the needs of the account and putting wines in the bag based on their needs, not just what you need to sell. It is a great balancing act. We understand We've got certain things we've got to sell. October is Santa Barbara month, and we want to sell Santa Barbara wine. But I'll, I'll bet if I if I work with Lauren, I'll find a Santa Barbara. I just thought of the Greg. I just I was just going to say his name. I just thought of Greg Brewer. Why wouldn't I want to sell his wines? I love his wines. But yeah, so just getting to know who, what, where, and when, and why. And to your point, Larry, I mean, there are many a times where I have great sales reps that will say to me, hey, 
this has come across my desk. I, I, I laugh about it and I call them the, the Friday morning beatdowns. And I, you have those conversations. Yes, there are things that we have to move. That's just basic business. But if you have a good relationship with an account, you should be able to say, look, here's the deal. Santa Barbara month is this month. We know you love Greg's wines. Let's move XYZ of this Chardonnay. Great, let's do it. You know, maybe I'll glass pour it. Maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll feature it for a wine club. But hey, sales rep, I also need this, this, and this. You know, you have to work together as a team because you are, in effect, a team. You know, you're building your business together. And without your sales rep, you have no business. So in this situation, that was a no-brainer for me, right? When you said that, like, okay, yeah, I can help you out on that one. Ladies and gents, I'm not going to gild that lily any further. What just came out of Lauren's mouth is exactly how you should be going to market. It's a team relationship. It's you and the account working for your mutual benefit. And with that, until I speak to you again next time on Bud Break Podcast, Larry O'Brien signing off. Speak to you soon.